Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you guys came ready. This is going to be a little meaty word, uh, not your vanilla. It's going to be a little more rocky road. All right. So hopefully, you guys came hungry for God's word this morning. Um, we're in the middle of the series called "Reigning in Life." I don't know if you knew this, but God wants you reigning in life. If you're His, with His Holy Spirit as God's sons and daughters, He wants you to be reigning in life. And so, this whole series has been looking at uh, some of the tools. God has given you and I to reign in life. Uh, and uh, so we, we looked at the Word of God, that that's our sword. Last week we talked about discernment. And uh, today's going to be a little part two of that discernment message. But uh, as we looked last week, um, kind of this is the little state that we find ourselves in here. Uh, kind of the average person that might be within their culture, that might have certain cultural idols like money, lust, and power. I don't know if you. This might be a little too far reach for you to understand the context of this, but anyway, so um, they, may, they come with certain messages, and uh, be tolerant, there's no truth but your truth, and so these kind of cultural values, but what we saw last week is that the scriptures give us a little insight as to what's going on here, and uh, really, there is a spiritual battle that's being waged, that the second heaven, that the fallen angels and their demons are influencing humanity, but the great thing is, is that in Christ, Paul says that he seats you with Christ in heavenly places, that when you get born again, that power of the enemy is cut off. He transfers you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son, but when you're there, it's now you're positioned and seated in Christ. Now you have the authority as God's son and daughter to have dominion over the second heaven. Okay, and rule and learn how to rule and reign. And so uh, if you're in Christ, you're now seated with him. And your life mission, your kingdom purpose is to get properly trained for the war, the spiritual battle that we now find ourselves in. This life is a spiritual battle. And using God's word and way to fight these spiritual battles. And, and as you and I get to know God's word and him, God invites us to grow in our discernment growing in our discernment. God's people need to embrace this challenge of growing in our discernment and understanding spiritual knowledge more in our lives to help us navigate the situations we face in kind of this crawling, fallen, crazy world that we're in. So with that, I just want to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into God's word about discernment. Father, I pray that no matter where we're at with you, Father, I pray that you would take us closer to you in this time. God, use your life-giving, eternal word to draw our hearts to you. Father, we look to you, train and equip us this morning to be your people in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'll just uh, off the top, this has been a little bit more of a teaching than like a preach, uh, so, so we want to kind of get behind the hood as to kind of see how discernment functions. So discernment, it's not up there, I'm just going to define it. Discernment is the ability to recognize and identify. 
between truth and lies, between God's presence and dark forces, and in between your flesh and the Spirit of God. Okay? So that's kind of a, a large definition of what discernment. We're gonna, there's kind of three primary areas that God is, is training and equipping you to be discerning in the ability to recognize and discern God's truth and lies, God's presence and dark forces, and God's spirit in your own flesh and that battle that we have with our own flesh. Discernment is not, start with maybe discernment isn't. Discernment is not intuition. Okay, discernment is not intuition, natural perceptions or hunches, gut feelings, right? Now, while you are made in the image of God, you are a spiritual being. You do properly sense and feel the spiritual realm. However, without the equally proper guide of Scripture as your compass, that intuition has no anchor. And nor reference point. And so merely you're left with your own senses of things as to what these feelings mean. Right? So intuition, though it can kind of illuminate some things, it's not a very reliable guide. Number two, discernment is not fault finding. Discernment is not fault finding. You ever have somebody who's really in discernment, but their discernment is more like fault finding. <laughs> And they're there to kind of like highlight all the things that are short of perfection. It's like, man, that's a rough friend to have, right? The fault finder. Now, in John 7, 24, Jesus said, Do not judge by outward appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So you a very common uh, 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 weapon against the church is God says, Do not judge. And yes, there are portions in Scripture that that phrase is in the Bible. But there's also, and there's the whole context, don't judge unless you be judged. Like the judgment I give, a lot of times I give myself a pass on the very things I'm judging others on. But here in John 7, Jesus said, judge with righteous judgment. Christians are commanded by God to judge things not based upon outward appearance of things or what we can naturally see, but to judge rightly. We can only judge rightly when we base our judgment on Scripture alone, not our own feelings, not our own preferences, not our own kind of opinions of things. We view God's reality from how he told us, how he made it. This is reality. Discernment that we're talking about can only come from God acting upon a human heart to reveal these things. Discernment comes from God. It's not your intuition. It's not fault finding, but discernment comes from God. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says this, a person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so for people that aren't followers of Jesus, a lot of times the gospel seems weak. The gospel seems that doesn't make sense, that doesn't line up with the world in which I'm seeing. Realize that, man, once we get into how God sees things and the reality of things, wow, this evil fallen world makes complete sense. Because that evil fallen world is created by fallen human beings. The part of us that our society doesn't like to remind us of, that you and I are not born good, that we're born with a sinful, broken nature, 
and out of relationship with the God who made us. And so here, this God wants us you to grow a kind of a Holy Spirit antenna in the Spirit, out of your heart, out of your life, that's molded and shaped by God's Word. It's one of the most powerful weapons in the hand of God. And that's the reason why Jesus, in Matthew 16, Jesus is asking His disciples, and He's testing their discernment. And He's saying, hey, who do people say that I am? Oh, okay, they give some answers. Oh, you're, lost, you're a long prophet, come back. Jeremiah, Elijah. Then he turns and he says, who do you say that I am? In that question, Jesus was asking, do they have discernment? And it's interesting. Peter steps up. If you're familiar with the story, Peter steps up and he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. See, true discernment comes from God and not our own natural intuition. The ministry of Jesus is a ministry in the spiritual realm. Think about it. If you're walking with Christ, when that relationship with God began, when your heart was softened and you were won over to Jesus, that moment right there happened in the spiritual realm over your life to bring transformation in the natural realm. You and I are arrayed against an evil spiritual Kingdom. Whoa. Kingdom. Wow, a little extra, little extra kick on that kingdom. Hey, baby. And it's essential that we're equipped to handle our spiritual enemies. So, here's a slide for this. The purposes of discernment. The purposes of discernment, God's son and daughter, is to lift the veil. Number one is to lift the veil that covers the unseen spiritual world. The world we really have to deal with if we're going to be effective. Number two, it enables us to see as God sees. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man sees on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So it enables us to see as God sees. Discernment. Discernment allows you to go beyond the outward appearance and to see the condition of your heart and the hearts around you. Number three, it protects us from deception. Discernment protects you and I from deception. The scriptures say that the devil actually can come as an angel of light. He can look beautiful, seeming very good and very wise, but his intention is evil and destruction. And so we need discernment by God to protect us from this deception. And then lastly, to properly diagnose people's problems and so help them. And so help them. Not just be the one standing back criticizing or the fault finder, but so help them. And a lot of times in a followers of Jesus' life, when discernment grows, and we'll talk about this next week, so does your prayer life. So does your prayer life. You begin kind of seeing what's going on around you, and as a follower of Jesus, that should kind of lean you in to dialoguing with God about it. God, this is what I'm seeing. This, and, I'm, and this discernment leads us into this life of God in prayer that I don't think anything else can. So, purposes of discernment. All right, three primary areas. Again, this is going to be a teach, not necessarily a preach, but three primary areas God develops to grow in your discernment. Three primary areas. I've already said them all. Truth versus error or lies. That's the first one. Truth versus error or lies. 
you know, throughout history, truth has always been maligned. It's just how it happens. There's part of our broken, sinful nature that when truth comes along, we want to push against that. We want to rebel against that. We want to say, well, you say that that's the best way, but I am going to go search out my own path. There's something about our brokenness that, that keeps us from actually trusting in a loving God. And so we're, we're kind of prone to pushing away truth and embracing error and lies. Many times, the teachings of Jesus throughout church history, they were slightly twisted. They were, they were slightly off. They, they had enough truth to sound right, but with human knowledge and wisdom mixed in with them. And that's what compromises the truth. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's interesting, John is equating false teaching and ideology with spirits. He's seeing that the impact of these lies, the source of these lies, comes from the father of lies in the spiritual realm. And so we have to test, test teachings, test these things up against the truth. And you will observe the dark spiritual forces at work behind the curtain, kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Ever, you know, us Kansas are a little prone to that movie, aren't we? A little Wizard of Oz. And, and it's, it's not just because it's, a, you know, a great movie and it's the first movie in Technicolor. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, Wizard of Oz was the first movie in color in the theaters. It was wild. Wizard of Oz, right? So you got these characters. They're all wanting something, but they're placed into a world in which they're kind of led by the yellow brick road, right? Now, there's, there's a whole backdrop to the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, O-Z, meaning gold, the Wizard of Gold, the world of gold, and the pathway that we find, and that there's a wizard actually behind the curtain. Anyway, it's a very interesting prophetic commentary on the world in which we live, but that's kind of what this ends up being as a follower of Jesus, it reveals kind of the master behind the curtain that's trying to control, that's trying to manipulate, that's trying to malign, to steal, kill, and destroy over humanity. And as God's sons and daughters, if you kind of stand above that perspective of like, man, I see the games being played over humanity, and there's a sea of lies that are coming against the truth. So there's kind of a, for example, I'll give you a for example. In our culture today, God really doesn't care about the purity and sacredness of sex. God really doesn't care about that. You know, it, that's kind of antiquated. That's kind of old school. You know, the way God kind of, you know, those are ancient ways. We've come up with our own modern, more progressive ways of doing humanity. And what we see, what we see, okay, well, if that's the cultural value, how does that line up with God's word? What does God say about this subject? And as you crack this open, you realize, oh, my gosh, he's got a lot of things to say about this subject, a lot. Story after story, how chaos and destruction in the lives of many come from sexual immorality. The generational impact, it leaves people more broken not more liberated. And so there's that appeal. That's how that Luciferian trick works. It appeals. It looks so good. It looks so appealing. 
oh, man, there's no downside to this, right? You're just kind of exploratory. There's no downside. And then time goes on and you realize, holy cow, there were consequences to those actions. I was sold a bill of goods and I came up in debt. And that's just the way of the world. And so it's having eyes to see and the diligence as God's son and daughter to take up God's word and to grow in discernment. Hebrews 5.14 says this, says solid food is for the mature, but those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Wow. Man, this is a This is a muscle God wants to grow in your life, and it begins as you begin to just take up the charge. I'm going to be a person of truth in this sea of lies. And when you say that, God begins to giving you opportunity after opportunity to discern good versus evil. Good versus evil. Man, this sounds good, but I see the fruit, and it's not as fruitful as God's kingdom usually is. Why is that? Well, most likely there's a lie that's been woven in that whole view of things. I don't know about you, but I want to find myself mature in the things of God. Anyway, truth versus lies. Second area of discernment is God's presence versus dark forces. Distinguishing spirits. You and I are spiritual beings made in the image of God, and in this life there are various kinds of spirits that confront you and I. Most importantly obviously, is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that through the will and uh, design of God moves throughout the earth in order to strengthen those who hearts that are fully His. Like the Holy Spirit, that you and I, it's very important that we're able to discern the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times that sensitivity is developed when you crack open God's Word and you begin feeding God's Word. And you'll begin to kind of sense a presence that meets you in that place. And as you develop that sensitivity, as you go out into the world, you'll begin as that presence comes. Oh, I sense, okay, God's here. God's doing something. That can only be found. A lot of these tools, again, like I said last week, there's no class, no kind of, uh, you know, special course that you can take to have a mature discernment, a mature using of God's word. It comes from from your closeness, your individual closeness with God. Can't replace it. No YouTube video is going to give you the shortcut. Secondly, there are angels, both good and bad. Acts 27, Paul's on the ship being tossed. All hope for survival was given up. And in the middle of this storm, this angel appears to Paul. And he gives him some insight as to what's going on. And he gives him directions as to where is he to go after this storm. And Paul then turns to his shipmates and he says, an angel appeared to me. And the shipmates, as if they didn't see anything. They didn't see any angel. They're on the ship next to Paul. But Paul, being a son of God, angel comes and he's able to discern an angel that's speaking to him. And lastly, these spirits that are arrayed against us, lastly, are demons. Unclean spirits that work and Many various different ways. Acts 16, example of, of this. One day, we were going down to the place of prayer, and we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. 
She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, it's an interesting story. This young girl has a spirit of divination, spirit of fortune-telling. Really, she's tapping into the second heaven demonic powers, getting insight and wisdom, and, and proclaiming that over people in the first heaven. Anyway, so this young girl, spirit of divination, it's interesting, the thing she said was fully accurate, right? She didn't lie. She was saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, true, and they have come to tell you how to be saved, true. So what's going on? What she was saying was true, but Satan wanted to produce confusion. Hey, here's just another group of diviners like we've all known before. Come to tell you your fortune. But it's interesting. Paul's seeing that kind of game being played out, and he steps in. He says, verse 18, he says, This went on day after day. Oh, so they were patient with this young woman until Paul got so exasperated, which, you know, maybe in the spirit, that's... Maybe there's times where that's, hey, get exasperated, will you please? Anyway, so Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. He exerts the authority of Jesus in the situation, and the enemy, the demon, had to leave, bound by Jesus' authority, because you have more. And as you read on in this story, this set the whole city ablaze, like in an uproar. Why? Because Paul and his companions uncovered the curtain as to what the enemy was doing to keep all the people enslaved. And so here comes God's people to say, no, 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 stop being under the power of divination, that Jesus Christ came to set you free from those powers and put you in the kingdom of his son. Amen? All right, so the grand wizard never likes his games and devices of deception exposed. And every time it does, just anticipate chaos coming out afterwards because that's just what it is. Anyway, oftentimes what is evil won't appear evil. I think we kind of get that from living life. What really is evil a lot of times won't appear evil. Like I, I, a verse I mentioned earlier, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. even as Satan, even Satan can... De- could disguise himself as an angel of light. And it's interesting, the verse right after that, 15 says, so it is no wonder his servants can also do it by pretending to be godly people. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe some human beings that Christians have maybe submitted to, thinking that they're godly, thinking that they're right, thinking that they're, they have a, a good, kind heart, you trust them, and it's like, oh, you come to find out. You come to find out later on that that person might not be as integrous and solid as you thought. Why? Because that's how the enemy always works. He lies to you. He lies to you. And if he hasn't already, God wants to remove this veil over your spirit. That's, yeah, remove this veil. And I love how Jesus and his disciples, every time they're confronted with demonic spirits, they do kind of two things. They assert the authority of Jesus, and they resist the enemy. It's two things. They assert the authority of Jesus, and they actively resist the enemy. Every time. 
Now, truth versus lies and God's presence and the fallen forces, I have noticed that people come into maturity, if you're a follower of Jesus, people come into maturity through one of those doors. Maybe you came in uh, to Christ and you're following him, and for you, your story is more about fallen powers, demons. Man, you sense that spiritual war. You sense this conflict. You're kind of seeing the spiritual battle, and you turn to Jesus, Jesus having that power, and then as you mature, he leads you to build a life that's based upon truth, not just based upon your, uh, your subjective feelings about the spiritual realm, that, that as he grows you up, he anchors you more into truth, his truth, and so you're a mature believer. Hope this is making sense. A lot of the other times, people come in through the truth lie gate into the kingdom, that they realize that God's truth is actually more true than any other worldview that we have on our planet. That as you line up truth and lies, a lot of times people will come to know Jesus because this is the person of truth. I can trust this person. But as that person comes into the kingdom, what God wants to do is remove the veil that a lot of those lies come from a supernatural source. And he wants to grow you up into being a mature follower of Jesus that can know God's truth and know God's spirit in maturity. And that's what he's doing in his church. I don't know, the last hundred years uh, of his church, these two camps were kind of divided. You kind of had the word camp and you kind of had the spirit camp. But I don't know if you're discerning enough, but what God's doing is he's bringing those two streams together for the betterment of his bride. Amen? Okay, so... Last area or battleground that we have to discern is this, and I'll land very quickly, praise God. Okay, I've seen a tendency that when you bring up discernment and you start equipping people to discern the spiritual realm, a lot of times that pendulum goes a little too far, a little too far, and we start seeing kind of demons behind everything. Everything that's bad, oh, that's demonic. Oh, you, you had a bad attitude, demon. Demon, get out of that person. You know, and she's like, wait, 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 you're acting kind of weird. So with that, we have to discern in between dark spiritual forces and, and your own flesh. Okay? And we can't, uh, we need to properly diagnose what's the flesh and what's kind of dark forces coming against and adding to or strengthening that flesh. Anyway. So, Galatians 5 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Okay? So these forces are at odds with one another. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting one another so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions meaning at almost every turn, every decision, this battle in between your own flesh, your own will, your own thoughts, your own desires for your life, and God's. Paul speaks of this war within himself often in his letters. I mean, it trickles through almost every letter Paul writes that there's this battle, there's this weakness in him, but he's relying on God's strength to make up the difference. And so God gives us his word. 
And he gives us his spirit to lead and guide us in this fight over our fallen nature. The word makes it plain. We go on. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension and division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other things like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Boom. Drop the mic two by four across the face. Paul is trying to be very clear as to, like, this is the life of flesh that these, these roads will lead you down. Those living like this on a cons- constant basis demonstrates that brokenness in their life has yet to be healed by Jesus. Yet to be. Yet to be healed by Jesus, the only one who can. It goes on, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You're familiar with this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that he wants in your life, not the fruit of the flesh. And then it says, here's the key. Here's the remedy of our rebellious, fallen human nature. This is the remedy. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions, their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Here's the thing. You can't cast out your flesh. You can cast out dark forces coming at you, but you can't cast out the flesh. The only remedy for the flesh is the foot of the cross. It has to die. It has to die. That's how that flesh gets remade in the image of God. And that's why repentance is one of the most powerful tools in the kingdom of God. When you realize, man, I'm broken, I'm fallen, and when you repent, it's like there's something happens in the spiritual realm over your life that that you begin to access who God is, his word, his strength, his power. And when we nail that to the cross, repenting of it, letting it die in its place, that's where you ask the Holy Spirit to come. God, fill this place, fill this area. We just booted that thing out. God, come fill it in its place. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. A living and holy sacrifice. A sacrifice is dead, but you're living. And that's the whole message of the gospel. God, I'm coming to the end of myself. I no longer want to live. I want you to live through my life, and so I die, and I come alive to you. It says, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will discern God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, through time with God, developing and work, a working knowledge of God's eternal living word, that is what's going to grow your discernment, to recognize and identify truth versus error, God's presence versus dark forces, your own flesh, and God's spirit. And I'll add, one primary reason God gives us healthy spiritual family <laughs> is to work this out together. 
This doesn't happen in isolation. This happens as, hey, what, hey, do you, what do you think about this? Is this true? Hey, an older believer, hey, I've, I've got these questions. Hey, what do you think? Hey, draw me to the word. Don't tell me your opinion. Draw me to the word and build me up so I know God's word as well as you do. Amen? There's forces arrayed against us. Lies, teachings, ideologies that sound true that are not. Dark forces in the spiritual realm enticing, manipulating, and controlling. Our own fallen flesh is out there trying to run amok. And these forces may seem so insurmountable, so powerful. But if I'm reading my Bible right, every time these things were encountered by God's people and they stood for God's truth and they followed the leading of the Spirit, the forces of darkness were pushed back every time. When God gets on the scene, darkness has to flee. And darkness flees very fast when God gets on the scene. I'll end with this. Samson... In the Old Testament, you find this story in Judges 14. Samson, a judge of Israel, chosen to be a judge. Um, Samson, he was attacked by a lion. And it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he killed this lion. And it says, sometime later he walked by the carcass of that dead lion and there was honey in this carcass. All right? So Samson kills this lion. It says sometimes later he's walking by that carcass of his enemy. And in the ribs, in the carcass, there's this honey being formed. And he's walking along and he eats that honey. And it's an interesting story. His nourishment came from within the carcass of his defeated enemy. And I'll say this. Some people are lacking nourishment and strength simply because they are running from your assignment. You're running from your assignment. Your assignment is to bring defeat to these powers of darkness that are taunting the armies of the living God. And engaging in that fight, engaging your enemies, engaging that flesh, engaging those dark forces that are coming at you, it's in that engagement that God is going to give you the nourishment you need. He's not going to give you the nourishment beforehand. He's going to give you the nourishment as you defeat your enemies. Amen? So God's people, we've got to be engaged. We've got to be discerning and fighting the battles that God's asked us to fight. Amen? As he would. Fighting as Jesus would this in this life. So it's a yes on our part that says, man, I will not back down from this. I will not back down. And a yes that positions us to be nourished. So with that, let's pray. Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for your spirit that gives us and grows in us discernment. Our ability to distinguish between truth and lies. Your presence, dark forces, Father, our own flesh. Father, I pray that you would remove the veil from our eyes. Let us engage these battles that we find ourselves in. Father, let us not back down, but let us stand strong on your word and in the power of your Holy Spirit to be your sons and daughters in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online 
citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.